Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and this week saw the end of an era when Jesus Nice and the Kid Marrow announced that they would be, quote, pursuing separate creative endeavors moving forward, ending both their popular Bodega Boys podcast and their Showtime series, Jesus and Marrow. The official breakup follows weeks of speculation about a falling out between the longtime friends and co-hosts, who met on Twitter and did more to disrupt the late-night TV landscape over the last few years than pretty much anyone else. So I thought we might as well flash back to happier times and repost the interview I did with Jesus and Mero in our LA studio back in the summer of 2019, when they were just a few months into hosting their show on Showtime. This was a really fun and sprawling episode that touched on everything from their origin story to their unique takes on politics to that time they got death threats for supposedly body shaming Taylor Swift. So let's go to that conversation now. Here's me with Jesus Nice and the Kid Mero. Welcome to LA. Yeah. Yeah. How are you enjoying it so far? How, when did you get in? We got in on Friday night. Friday night. Friday night. It's been yeah. very chill. Very, very chill. You yeah. know. Everything's couple of, a blur, man. Yeah, yeah. A couple of deer antler shots. Yeah. Shoplifting in <laughs> Erwan. You know what I'm saying? Just... Yeah. <laughs> now, actually, we're, you know, we're still. We've been to LA a couple of times, but we're still New Yorkers. So like, yeah. we. Like dummies, we've been walking everywhere, mm-hmm. and we're staying in West Hollywood, so we've been yeah. walking up those hills with a steep incline. You look real weird if you're walking around LA with Yo. shopping bags. Their cars are looking at us, and <laughs> like, like they're like, "Is that Jesus and Mero? Are, are they home? Are they part? Are like, they part out with them? Did they lose yeah. their show?" Yeah, I moved from New York uh, like seven, eight years ago, and mm-hmm. I, I would walk a lot too, and mm-hmm. people would give me weird looks. Yeah, yeah. it's like you're an alien. Like, Yo, yeah, what's, what's wrong with that? Also, if you jaywalk, they're just like, "What, what do I do now?" Whoa, it's like whoa. a it's like a deer ran into the road. Oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, do I yeah, break? You, you can't do that thing where you kind of inch out on yeah. the uh, on the They'll crosswalk. Hit you. They yeah, will hit. They no, will clip you no on good. purpose. <laughs> Um, so you guys, uh, you guys were here uh, for I'm sure a few different things, but you hosted the uh, TCA Awards. Yeah, I know, this that's weekend. right. What was that's that like? Yeah, it, was, it, was it was cool. You know, the Teen Choice Awards, Nickelodeon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot of GAC. JoJo yeah. Silva was there. Like, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah, Mero, no more show. Exactly cool. Is, no, that, is that what you thought you were getting into? Yes, the, uh, we brought Matt Slime. <laughs> yeah. No, the TCA's, was, the TCA's was really cool because you know, like it's the Critics Association. It's like. Every every time we've been told about the CCAs, we're like, expect a dry room, expect no one's mm-hmm. going to laugh. But every time we've gone to CCAs, we've had a wonderful experience. Oh, the room good. has loved us. So it was a continuation of that. And it was so wild coming out and just seeing, like, famous people. They were, like, just happy to see us and smiling. Mm-hmm. Like, Amy Poehler is, like, cheering <laughs> on every joke. And Throw it, me it a honey just, bun! It was just so much fun, man. Yeah, did you guys have any good uh, celebrity interactions? Anything that really uh, s- sticks out? Karamo from, uh, uh, from Queer, Queer Guy, Guy yeah. lost oh, his yeah. shit when he saw us. He's like, I love <laughs> you guys. I fucking love oh you guys. I'm like, we love you. Like, oh, oh my God. God. We, we like hugged. And Fred Armisen, Fred Armisen, yeah, yeah, comedy legend. He's like, I love yeah. you guys stuff, and you just still like, oh, <gasps> like you know it exists. That's it's awesome. wild. It's yeah. like it's 
so much fun, man. Um, you guys, uh, this was your first uh, award show hosting experience, yeah. I yeah. think, right? It was not televised. Yeah, yeah. Was that was that good, or you <laughs> should have been televised? I mean, it was, it was, it was good. good. It was good. It was, it was good. Cool. It was just it was a good for you know it was a good dry run mm-hmm. for dry when run. we're yeah. eventually hosting like you know the, the Source Awards the, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know is that, is that number back. one on the list? Number one, bring it back the Soul Train Awards. Yeah, did they? I don't think they left. They we're continuing them. They just have them on like Wednesday at three p.m. now. Well, we're gonna do that. Yeah, well, you could, maybe maybe you guys can do the Oscars because uh, I know nobody wants to do that. No gig, one wants so. to do that. It's like a it's 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 like a, you don't get a lot of love for it. You just get <laughs> like it, no matter how good a job you do, people on Twitter is like this is terrible. You could crush it, and people will still be like, meh. This yeah. is terrible. Yeah. So, right. But I think it might maybe because like, if we go in there, we're just not gonna care anyway. And also, I can't pronounce anyone's names properly, so it'd be a lot of fun. Like people, wrong people come up on stage and stuff. <laughs> He'd be like, yo, get up man, for uh, Jessica uh, Adams. They're like, you mean Amy Adams? I was like, close enough. Uh, close yeah, enough. Yeah. She cool. got red hair. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, you guys are off for the month of August, right? Mm-hmm. More or less. Off from the show. Uh, off from yeah, the show. show yeah. Not from life. Not from life. Well, that was, that was uh, but, deep. But does it, is it, does it feel good to have a little break? I mean, you've been going pretty nonstop with the Showtime show for what, like six months now? For, you know, it feels good to have a break, but at the same time, it's like, it's not really a break because we're still doing the podcast. We're doing mm-hmm. the live tour and everything. And also, it's not really a grind. We really like what we do. Yeah. And I mean, like, we, we're doing it 24 7 all the time. So it doesn't, I mean, it feels like a break. And yes, you know, like, he has to spend time with his family. I eventually mm-hmm. probably should wash the dishes in my apartment. But, you know, <laughs> it feels good to have a little break, but I'm worse. We're itching at the bit, ready to get back at it. Yeah, yeah. What do you feel like? I mean, it's been about six months of this show on Showtime. What do you feel like you've, uh, you know, learned so far about about how to how to do this specific show? Because it is a little different from from yeah. what you guys have done before. Just adapting to like a bigger machine. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Just and 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 the ins and outs of that, and just learning that. But other than that, it's just been like you know we know what we bring to the table, yeah. and they just put the resources behind us and like kind of like elevate that. You know also, what I mean? so Showtime is like so it's a union show, so there's a lot more people, a lot more moving yeah. parts, a much bigger studio space. So it's not really it's more behind the scenes stuff that other people have to handle. But at the end of the day, it's like muscle memory. We just sit in the chairs and start riffing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what is a what is a typical show taping day like for you guys? Is it can you kind of walk through what walk through. what what, it, what it's like? Cars oh, pick us up. Yeah, cars pick us up. Bring us into hair and makeup. We get you know. Free haircuts, which is like that's the only reason we do this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the number one reason. Is yeah. that twice a week now that you're twice, twice a week? week? Twice a week. <laughs> two haircuts a week. <laughs> two haircuts that's a week. Good. That's that's two pretty guns pretty with good. no hair. It's very impressive. Very yeah. impressive. You, you gotta get saying? the you gotta get the beards uh, shaped. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then you know, like we come in, they come in, they like, oh, here's the script for today. And we throw it over our shoulders. Don't look at it. And they're just like, we worked on that. And then we probably I drink a beer. He has some brugal. We sit down. We start. You know, we warm up with the audience. Yeah. Ask them. You know, we're our own warm up comedian. Yeah. Which is yeah. And you guys put the warm ups on YouTube, on too. YouTube. Yeah. yeah, and it's like people people find that so weird because it's just like usually comedians have to save their material, and mm. then you can't just like go out there and blow your wad as they yeah. say. But we're just out there, and the, the audience is very intimate because the audience is right there. So you're mm. having actual personal conversation. Like I'm like, who's not who's skipping work today? And someone right here mm. will be like, yo, I I am, and I'll be like, call your boss, <laughs> call your, and like you're just it's it's really intimate, and that warm up that warms the crowd up because you know like people might have been to a TV taping before, so they have kind of a preconceived notion. And our show is a lot more like, yo, if you want to yell out something, you can yell out something. Mm. Like jokes, it's it's a wild show. It's a very yeah, interactive I mean, experience. A lot of these uh, show tapings can be kind of tense because they like have the audience all like waiting a long time. Right, and, and it's a lot of hurry up, up and, and, yeah. and you have to like uh, you know applaud on mm-hmm. command and you have people screaming at you. Yeah, we have and that's what that. I was gonna say. It's like it's it's there's there's still like an uh, an an iota of that in there to keep mm-hmm. the train on the rails. Yeah, but like the the 
other shows like hurting the audience. It's just like this weird, mm-hmm. like her, like you go this way, do go not contact way. them. Give yeah. us your phones. Yeah, You're not getting any water. You can't, you can't go this. to the bathroom. Yeah, and yeah you like, have to stay in your seat for yeah, like three for the, hours. For four yeah. hours. Yeah. And yeah. They're coming. No, they're not. Wait another yeah. half an hour. And we it's definitely, like we've been loose. there. And so we wanted our show to be the polar opposite of that. So the studio audience could take pictures. They don't lose their phones. Mm, yeah. Yeah. We're like, we're like, listen, you're going to be here for an hour and a half. No longer than that. Like we're getting you in. We're getting you out. Like, because you want the audience to have the same energy and still be happy to be there because yeah. I've been to tapings of shows before and after that fourth hour there without food you're a little more hostile to the comics mm-hmm. you're not laughing as hard as the jokes so we definitely want to always try to keep the audience happy yeah I mean you guys talked about you know throwing the script <laughs> over your shoulder uh, but is it it does feel like compared to most late night shows it's a lot more improvised oh, and it's, off oh, the yeah. but they so, don't we don't see the videos ahead of time yeah. yeah so the script is basically like and also they don't want us to know what's in the video so the script is basically like a throw to a video mm-hmm. and the script might not necessarily say what the video is going to be and, and we just put it, it on actually words. never does it'll just say yeah. like horse in Nepal <laughs> yeah. and you're like but okay you no what's the what setup yeah. like what's the end what's the end nothing and then you react to the video in real time and that's when you get like a real authentic mm. reaction reaction to, to the clip or whatever it is piece yeah. whatever you guys do have a lot of writers though so what are they uh, doing oh they work on like the sketches <laughs> and sketches the, and like the like parody other, commercials like field like pieces yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that like we don't like cause we we do so much off the top of our head that it's just like, mm. boom, like we could do whatever. But the days that we're not in the studio, they're working on sketches, they're working on like stuff to do with um, guests because you know, you could do a regular interview, but then to do something like what we did with John Legend where we had him singing mm-hmm. about Ian Butt, mm-hmm. like, you know, that's yeah. a little, little you know, <laughs> writers for that. Yeah. yeah. I think I have an idea for you. Think like um, Barry White. Yeah. Take me to your chocolate galaxy. That's the only place that I wanna be. It's kind of hitting. It's kind of hitting. Fellas, if you wanna blow your lady mind, if you wanna get a hit, eat it from behind. Um, I loved the last episode that you guys did before your break with uh, Anderson Andy Cooper and, Coop. and, and yeah. Andy Cohen. That felt like it really uh, kind of you reached a, a new heights with that with that one. Just that was a the, good one. The dynamic between all four of you and and kind of finding the parallels between yeah. them and you guys. Yeah. Did that feel uh, special? It did. It was fun. Doing it? it was fun, and it, I, like to me, like the because we we had. Uh, Met Andy Cohen. We were on what, Watch What Happens Live. Oh yeah, we've had dinner with him. Like so, we know Andy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anderson was like the variable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he's a very serious journalist. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, or at least he seems like he is. Yeah, but, then but then sometimes then, he and, sometimes he lets something else out. Yeah, right. You yeah. saw so, it during the interview. Yeah. Like, and then yeah. he let his hair down in the interview, and I was like. I, f- I like this. And then you know also, I mean? like, if you notice, that was our longest aired interview so yeah. far this season because yeah. it was so good. Yeah, yeah. it was like, like more was, than 20 minutes. Right? Yeah, the just the energy they had. Like, one of the comments was like, you guys should replace The View with this. I was like, I'm not mad at that. I'd, I'd watch <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. But you it was going to have your own version of The View. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'll be the Megan McCain. <laughs> I'll be Whoopi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is like, this is really the, the third version of the TV show, right? I mean, but there was Complex, mm-hmm. and then there was Viceland, mm-hmm. and now there's this one. I mean, you guys have hinted a little bit that there was some stuff about the Viceland experience that you didn't love. So what is the kind of real story there in terms of what uh, what happened, why you left, uh, why Showtime was so much more of it wasn't uh, really. It wasn't we left. It was like the contract was up. Yeah. It, was like it's just, it's like like, it was like sports. It's like free agency. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, you know. You have suitors. People are like giving you offers, and yeah. then you sit down with your team and you discuss mm. like what's, what's the, best the best place fit? for us, what's the best fit, like content wise, yeah. like what, like what do we want to do? 
you know what I mean, that we will be allowed to do by X Studio mm, X right. or like. And also, X, like, which you know? deal will allow us to work on other stuff because we have the live tour mm-hmm. we have the podcast right. we have a book coming out next year so it's very important that we had to put ourselves in a situation we would have enough time to do other things yeah and, and showtime did, definitely offered that and did vice like prevent you from doing some of that stuff or was were there parts of it that you didn't like or no what? it wasn't that it, it was, was just like just, was as just the viceland show went you know like we rose up and then there mm-hmm. were more demands so it was like you know like you have to switch up your time because we had a lot more free time when we first started on vice than mm-hmm. we did at the end yeah 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 um, and then when you went to Showtime, Showtime, I mean, yeah, did you did you it, that that's a totally different audience in a lot of ways. Um, did you feel pressure to kind of tailor your show to this Showtime never, audience? Anyway? Absolutely never. not. Because the 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 whole reason we're here is because we never did that. Yeah, right. we started off. Mm. You know, we we like we self not censor, but we self you know self censor in a way because mm. we don't want to. Like we're we're humans and we're learning with everybody else, so it's like starting from complex where we were just like two dudes from the Bronx, like, and then just tr- having that path to Showtime. You learn a lot along the, along the way, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's just like we're still us. Nothing has changed. We've just matured slightly. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like that's pretty much it. I mean, we know what we bring to the table, and we also knew that our fans were going to follow us regardless. Like all our fans were like, just just say the word. Whatever channel you're going to, we're following mm-hmm. you there. Yeah. We know Showtime what, wasn't a hurdle for that. You think? Not uh, at all. No. Not, people were just like, oh, it's no. Like we actually had a discount code that they could use oh, to get yeah. a lower yeah. price. But a lot of them was like, we already have Showtime. As soon yeah. as you announced it, mm-hmm. we signed up for Showtime. So it wasn't a matter of tuning ourselves to the channel. It was more like. Couldn't the viewers of Showtime, are they going to come around mm-hmm. and watch it? Are they going to understand it? And there was a fear of that from Showtime's side. Yeah. But it's just like, fam, it just rolls in. People watch billions, and then we come on after, and mm-hmm. they're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then after five minutes, they're like, oh, it's delicious. I love this. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Like They're watching City on a Hill, and then we come on, and like, yo, I have no... Because they see the commercial, and if you have mm-hmm. no idea who we are, it's like, what the hell is some mm-hmm. hip-hop crap? But I think I think one of the stats that came out was like, we actually lowered the tar- the actual demographic age of Showtime's viewers with mm-hmm. our show, because they responded to it like, I don't, this is a very antiquated term, like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, they came in, and we didn't have to change anything it was just showtime was like yo be unapologetically bronx and if they were if we you build it they'll come do you think about it all when you're when you're putting the show together whether people are going to watch it on tv or youtube and does that you know change nope. how you yeah. kind of think about we it we just do we just do what we do you, you know it. what i mean mm-hmm. and it's like whatever format you enjoy it in enjoy it mm-hmm. and it's like obamacare you can keep your doctor whatever way <laughs> you whatever way you watch our show you can continue to watch our sh- just show that way and also being on showtime it's just like that was the difference between vice and showtime like we only could say the f word five times on vice so that's Man. a big difference that's a big difference showtime is like yo, yo, you want to show nipples? Do what yo, you, you want. want to pull your balls out in the middle of the show. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, I remember when John Oliver started, he really took advantage of the HBO stuff. He mm-hmm. was like showing dicks, yeah. and, show, and like all this stuff. <laughs> so I mean, do you feel how? Are there examples of how you've uh, taken advantage of what Showtime has there's allowed def- you to do? There's definitely some jokes sh- that are just like. Uh, yeah. Like we, because you know, there's a show you record, then they edit it, and then there's a show that comes out at night, and we don't mm-hmm. see it until it airs. And sometimes there's some jokes, and I'm just like, how did that air? There was a <laughs> foot fetish, yeah, that, sex was, toy. that was a lot. Mm. That was a foot with yeah. a vag- built-in vagina, mm. and I did a shot out of it. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I don't know what other network. Hopefully it wasn't allow. used. Uh, no, it was no, brand new. No, it was brand, brand new. new. Like we saw the we saw made the, sure you came yeah. out of the box. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And the funny like the powder on it. And the funny thing from that segment, there was still some parts of that segment that was too problematic to air. Yeah. So they took that part of him doing the. Sh- they was like, that's the least problematic of the segment. So <laughs> what, so what got cut? So so people know. Uh, some some spitting. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe some finger action. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so speaking of, of John Oliver, you guys brought on uh, one of his writers, Josh Gombelman. Shout to Josh. Josh Gombelman. You have, uh, you have uh, Heben Nagatu from Shout Colbert. Heaven. So you kind of brought some of these people in from from these other shows. Yeah. What did you What did you kind of see in them that you wanted to bring to your show? And did you do you feel like any of those shows have kind of rubbed off on? What's on you funny guys, is, or? well, we never went poaching like, yo, this person's on this show. I want them. They're like, the best person on this yeah, show. Yeah. Well, let's take them. They're the best. It wasn't like that. Because I've just been like, following Josh. We've been following Josh on Twitter for years, mm-hmm. and like we, I've mm-hmm. always respected what he did. I actually, I'm good close friends with Heaven. Like we go to brunch mm-hmm. all the time. Like everyone on the show is either someone we know personally. Or it's just like someone recommended. It was never like, who's yeah. this guy for John yeah. Oliver? And I mean, like these people are super talented. Mm-hmm. And I guess I guess I don't know if they weren't happy at the other place or like they just wanted to work with us. But I mean, they're all yeah, a gift I mean, to it have. Must be really different for them, you know, different yeah. experience. And and so yeah, what do you feel like you've learned maybe from each of them, from from Josh and from from Heaven just about uh, making a show? Just, just their comedy stylings and how to like use it with our comedy stylings to make the best product together because mm-hmm. we. You know, like, no one sees eye-to-eye on a certain joke. So they might come at a joke a certain way, and we come at it a different way. And then we have to work together to get that sweet middle spot where it Mm -hmm. works. But now, like, we've done the show so many times. Like, now it's, like, effortless. Like, now the writers get us. We get it. Like, we're cracking up in the writer's room. And, like, the jokes are getting dirtier and dirtier. And, like, we learned how to work with each other. Because before, we never had writers. And before, they've never worked with anyone that could just come up with stuff off the top of their dome. So it was, like, a little learning process. But it's it's worked out now. Now it's, like, peanut butter and chocolate. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like you get different perspectives. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the to, that's the to me that's the most important thing. Is like mm-hmm. we'll, we'll sit at a, a creative meeting or a table read or whatever, and we'll go around and it's like, oh, I didn't think, you know, that that was not that funny. You know what I mean? Or it, it could be a myriad of things. It could mm-hmm. be a topic. It could be a, a run of jokes. It could be a sketch idea. Anything. And it's just like. That collaborative process, mm-hmm. whereas before it was just me and him. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Actually, um, yeah. I was lying, and I was just like, here's an exclusive for you. We only hired Josh because he's from Boston, oh. and we want to ridicule him for being a Red Sox fan <laughs> yes. and Celtics fan, and I that's have, literally the only reason he's on. I have yes. some bad news. I grew up in Boston. <laughs> you know what I've learned? Most well, you did, well, you moved to New York. <laughs> I'd moved to New York, so you're a smart guy. Yeah. Most, exactly. most, you meet people <laughs> and they're secret Boston fans. You're like, wow, they're so great. Wow. And then after, and then like one son, you see one tweet, like, go Red Sox. Like, your heart just breaks. Wow. Like, wow. I thought you were a wow. good person. Wow. <laughs> yeah, sorry to break it to you guys. Sorry, it's all right. It's all right. Um, what, what is the, the process like of of making this show in terms of the writer's room? And and I'm just so fascinated by this because it does feel so different from these other shows. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's not you guys are probably just doing it how you've always done it. But um, but what is that what is that process like of, of being in the writer's room and, and working with these with these writers? Well, they pitch us. We have, like, pitch meetings, and they're like, mm-hmm. yo, we should do this, or we should do this, or this would be a good idea. And then we're just like, uh, this sounds like a good idea this week. Work on this. Mm-hmm. And then they'll uh, work out some beats, and they'll get us from—they'll be like, all right, start at point A, and then you do guys do your thing, get somehow to point B. Mm-hmm. And then they'll come up with the little situations. Mm-hmm. So it's not so tightly scripted, but it's just like they have the vision— 
that we're just like, yo, take this vision and expand on it, make it bigger. Mm. And that's when they go to work. Like our first, I think the best example was uh, the first parody we did of Green Book mm. on our first yeah, episode. Yeah, Because yeah. yeah. that was, like, they hadn't seen Green Book. And I came in and I was like, fan, I saw Green Book and I thought it was <laughs> the funniest movie ever. <laughs> I was like, this shit is so over the top bad. Yeah, you guys were ahead of the curve a little bit on the Green Book thing. Yeah, yeah. and then they saw it and they were just like, wow, this is so ripe for parody. And then they just ran with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is, you, you talked about, you know, having different perspectives in the writer's room and having, you know, conversations like that. Can you think of an example of when maybe you guys thought something was really funny and someone else in the writer's room was like, I don't know about that, or there were kind of disagreements or anything like that? Not, Not really, because really. like really. I said before, like we've we've like we've matured to the point where it's like we know not to punch down mm-hmm. comedically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you always punch up comedically. So there, there's never been like a <gasps> moment in right. the writer's room. You know what I mean? Like we we joke around, we fuck around. You know what I mean? But it's never like uh, I'm I'm actually offended by what you just said. Coming up, Jesus and Miro talk about why they mostly avoid Trump jokes, but want to interview every 2020 Democratic candidate. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to my conversations with other late-night TV hosts like Samantha Bee and Larry Wilmore, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how much you love this show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to Jesus and Mero. Speaking of punching up, I mean, you guys have done some Trump stuff, but I'd say you've more, mostly stayed away from him. Yeah, in, in, we mellowed on it because it's just like it's, it's, just, yeah. it's, it's like so constant. It's saturation, and like, not only that, it's not really funny anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. before it was like, "Yo, look, he's moving water." Yo, mm. look at his hair, and like now he's like, and I, you know, that was like the first couple of days, first yeah. month, first year of his presidency. Mm-hmm. Like now, mm-hmm. this is normal. Like the th- the damage being done to just democracy is going to be so long lasting that it's not funny and it's the like there's certain things you can't really joke about like what is oh he's locking babies up <laughs> like yeah, I mean, I think people try. People and, try. And sometimes they find a when they when they're able to find a way in. It's interesting, but it, it but is. It's I like, think it's getting harder and it's harder. It's getting harder, and it's like the viewing public is just kind of just like mm-hmm. fatigued. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's, and it's like, funny because it's like you, people will they'll find a way in mm-hmm. that they think is a way in, and then. Everybody will use that same, same way, way in. in. Mm-hmm. You think it was like a unique mm-hmm. way in. Yeah. And then it's just like, also, you're required to do Trump. You see every other late, like, we've talked to other late night hosts, and they're like, fam, like, 
Trump every night. Yeah. You gotta do at least one Trump joke. And we're just, I remember, I, like, when he first became president, I said at Viceland, I was like, I feel like we're covering Trump too much. And we mm-hmm. purposely tried to pull back, but he just kept doing such weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and it was, at first, it was like novelty. Like, yeah. it was like, wow, this is, this is nuts. Like, is he really gonna, is he really doing mm-hmm. this? And it was just like, we're like, in, like bystanders just like watching this unfold, like, holy shit. Like, and, and like, you know, bringing levity to it, but in a way that was just like, but now it's like, like you said, like it's gotten so serious that it's just yeah. like. Like checks and balances doesn't even work now. You yeah. just got people just blatantly doing crimes out in the open. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of hopelessness in the yeah. American public now. And it's just like, I think now before it was just like people were coming to our show, like and we were like, yo, look what he's doing. And now people are just coming to our show kind of like an escape. Like, mm-hmm. yo, yeah. for half an hour, please take make my me laugh mi- about something else. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, half yeah. an hour, take my mind off the dumpster fire mm-hmm. that is America. One thing I know you couldn't resist, uh, you know, going after was the uh, the racist tweets about the squad. Um, oh, I yeah. had a bit about that. I mean, uh, what, why, why was that something that you felt like you? Because you really we, because AOC's about? from the Bronx. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's our homegirl. You know what I'm saying? We got to represent. Yeah. We, that, we actually know AOC, and it's yeah. just like it's so wild that the president is specifically tweeting about someone we know, mm-hmm. and like we know her reaction to it, and it's just the idea that he's just picking on a private citizen, and just just the ridiculousness of it. And also, we had the squad on on our first episode. Mm-hmm. We just went to mm-hmm. see AOC, and they just naturally came by, and it yeah. was so nice to I us. I love that uh, that scene that you guys <laughs> in in Washington. Yeah, so AOC was your first uh, guest, yeah, on first show. Yes. So how did that kind of uh, come together? That you, oh, that was organic. that was like a no brainer. That was yeah. just like yeah, we're coming out uh, out of the gate strong, mm-hmm. and we want to make a splash. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and we knew her; we had a rapport already. So it was just like, and that wasn't even like through her campaign. I was like directly texting her, like, "Yo, come on the show," and she Mm -hmm. was like, "Say less." We got kind of the effect that you get of the Twitter trolls and the Russian bots and the people. When that kind of stuff happens, you regret getting into politics, or no, no. I mean, it's it is heavy, but in a weird way, that stuff is validation that you're doing something real, right? right? Because if you're just flying under the radar, just trying to, you know, get your check, like, not rock the boat, then what's the point of being in politics? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the point of doing things if you're just trying to maintain a status quo that doesn't help people? What does it mean for you to have AOC in Congress, someone who you know, someone, you know, representing the Bronx in that way, which is different than what it's been in the past. I mean, what, what does that mean for you? It feels good because she kind of, she reminds me of what we're doing to late night. Yeah. She's in there. She's shaking the table. She's, you know, challenging a system that already exists, challenging established rules that, and then just like, why do these rules exist? Mm-hmm. She's in there. It's like, you know, not to be uh, corny, but she's disrupting mm-hmm. government. And you can see like, it's making some people uncomfortable. There's pushback. People are like, you know, she has to follow the rules. She has to be respected. And it's kind of similar to the kind of feedback we get about our show. And they're like, don't do this. Don't say the N-word. Don't do this. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, yo, this is the future. Whether you like it or not, this is the change that's going to happen. So you can either get with it or get left behind. And that's what I represent. And then that's her. She's always been that same outgoing, very gritty, very Bronx, I'm not taking no shit kind of personality. And I just love to see that. And there's very clear parallels there between, like, politics and entertainment. Where it's Mm -hmm. just like, you have, like, because she beat Joseph Crowley, which was like sitting and he was just there mm-hmm. forever yeah, yeah and he was just he assumed that uh, and she represents my district in the bronx and he just was he just assumed i'm a democrat i'm in the bronx i'm gonna win every year so he did absolutely nothing and she came beat him by landslide and it's that those parallels that are like in entertainment you have like these old stodgy white guys who are kind of like the gatekeepers and it's the same thing in government mm-hmm. so when you have somebody who comes in it's a young person of color who has like hey I have these ideas these are my points of view you know what I mean and like you said shaking the table and kind of like 
like I wouldn't use the word disruptive because it sounds like she's in there like throwing Molotovs in like the halls <laughs> of Congress, but like she's like opening people's eyes and being like, "Look, this is really what's going on." Like I'm tweeting what's mm. actually happening. Yeah, and kind like, of br- breaking the rules in terms not like the real rules, but the rules that everyone has kind right. of like followed, the un- the like the unwritten yeah. rules, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Like, don't run over the mound. You know what I mean? Like, that type of, like, dumb Mm. baseball unwritten Mm -hmm. rule stuff where it's just like, no, we didn't have to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, How did you guys meet her in the first place and kind of what what, what was your first uh, interactions? Oh, shout out to our boy Tommy Ulter who just, like, knows everybody. He literally knows everybody. But, like, we know people on her staff. Mm -hmm. And, like, being off from the Bronx, it was just a matter of time. Like, they were trying. We actually were trying to get her on uh, the old show, but the show ended before we Mm -hmm. had a chance to get her on. Yeah. But she she knew about us. She watched the show. And, like, she was a big fan. So it was just like it, it wasn't a matter of if it was a matter of when. Mm-hmm. And then we just had lunch one time in the Bronx, and it was just like off of that. It's just been cool. Ever since. You guys have also had a lot of a few presidential candidates from the Democratic side on mm-hmm. your show. You had Cory Booker, mm-hmm. uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, Pete Buttigieg. Um, who has kind of impressed you the most so far of the whether it's people you've had on the show or people you want to have on the show um, in terms of that in terms of the Democratic uh, uh, field? Nobody. It's too early. Mm-hmm. It's too it's early. Too, it's like it's like those fighting games that have forty eight characters, <laughs> and you're like, man, I was like, I don't know who I'm gonna pick. I was like, ah, there's too many people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's like the you can't get a clear message through right now because right now there's people just like, oh, all this infighting is terrible. I was like, no, we need this. We need to get mm-hmm. some of these people. That out doesn't of the bother pain. you, the infighting. Yeah. That's literally how primaries work, mm-hmm. and it's just people are just like now all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, they're clutching their pearls, like, oh, don't say it. like no, like if this person was saying racist stuff in the '80s, bring it up, let us know, mm-hmm. and. Everyone's like, oh, if, we, if you do infighting, you're not going to be able to beat Trump. I'm like, well, you know, if that's the case, let's worry about Russian interference, let's work, uh, mm. voter suppression, and all this stuff. But, you know, the Democratic primaries, the way it works is last person standing. Mm. And you got to let these, sometimes you got to let, it's not, they're not attacking each other, but they're just trying to prove I am the best candidate or I can actually beat Trump. Mm. And you have to, sometimes you got to get a little messy. And people enjoy the messiness. Like, let's be honest, yeah. people, no one's watching the debate to be like, ah, this is where I'm going to learn. I'm going to decide off of this debate thing. Like, if you're just slowly voting for a candidate based on how they performed in the debate, you're making a huge mistake. But hopefully having the people on the show is like a chance for you to get to know them. And then if some, you see, like, maybe you like, what Cory Booker had to say. Now you can go to his website, mm-hmm. research more. Maybe you like what Kirsten Gillibrand had to say. You go on her website. But we never, we're never like, yo, Dizemir will say vote for this person. Yeah, like yeah. we're not doing that. But are there, is there anyone that you really want to get on the show that you haven't? Oh no, we have people scheduled to be mm-hmm. on. I can't, yeah, can't give out the can't names give it yet, out but, yet. But yeah, but, uh, yeah. but, but uh, Bill De Blasio is not one of them. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not excited about the uh, Bill De Blasio uh, candidacy. Uh, no, <laughs> you know what? The pizza, the backwards pizza eating, yeah, the Red Sox like fandom. Yeah, yeah. like oh, he. Yeah. he he tweeted out. He was like, "Congrats to the world champion, Boston Red Sox." He tweeted yeah. that out from the mayor of New yeah. York Twitter account. Have you lost your mind, Bill De Blasio? You groundhog killer. <laughs> that was the end. That was that was, the, end that was it. it for that was you. it. Yeah. Um, what about uh, <laughs> what about Marianne Williamson? What do you guys think about her? She she's is interesting. Absolutely bonkers. <laughs> uh, she's she's I, interesting. But you know the thing is like. I've watched enough politics that I know of these people before. Like, everyone's like, who are these people? Who are mm-hmm. These people, they've never been on my radar. I'm like, fam, I watch MSNBC for like eight hours every day for the last five years. <laughs> Do you? Like, you know what happened? I was dating a girl that worked in politics. Yeah. And I used to be like, this is so boring. Like, how do you watch this? And like, mm-hmm. we broke up. And next thing I know, I'm like, yo, can't time s- for hardball. Can't stop. <laughs> Got my Chris Matthews hat on. Like, yeah, oh, hardball, oh, hardball. Oh, give me the takes, give me the takes. <laughs> but yeah, so all these people, you know, they've been bubbling under the surface. And like, I know their views. I've known stuff yeah. they've done. 
So you you're watching. It's weird to watch mm. Twitter because people are just like, so, they're like, yeah, I'm voting for Marianne Wilson. And mm. I'm like, okay, Google her. Google mm. her views on like vaccination, yeah. on mm. mental health and stuff. Some of these people they seem great flash in the pan, but once you go underneath the surface, you're like, oh. Because I always say that to run for office, you either have to have a very big heart or be a sociopath, and there's no (laughs) in-between. And most of these people do not have big hearts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to ask about the the Mayor Pete segment that you did with him, because I I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, You know, I thought he was was pretty game, but also seemed a little bit uncomfortable about drinking out of a a paper bag and and all that. What was the, what what kind of vibes? Well, the discomfort came from the fact that it was, he he thought it was just like a, 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 like a 40. Yeah. He was like, no, 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 sir. This is a single malt scotch. (laughs) Then he was game. Yeah. Oh, he liked it once he, but I mean, also people just like, he looked uncomfortable being around two people of color. I was like, no, like, we took him to a neighborhood he's not familiar with. He doesn't mm. really know us. He's from South Bend, Indiana, and we yeah. took him to Dykeman, in mm. uptown. And you know like a saying? very loud block, a lot of people and stuff. We're walking around with very little security. We're walking through mm. a park, and we're super comfortable. Like, we yeah. know the rules and stuff, but also, you know, like, he has to be careful. Like, he, he's running for president. Me and Pete, we're going to close it out with the uptown tradition. tradition. You know what I'm saying? Right. You're out here. You're hood certified. You're uptown certified. That's you're with right. the Bodega Boys. You know, they say in New York City you're not allowed to have a thing called open containers, but apparently if you put a alcoholic beverage inside a brown bag, the cops don't see it. They don't, and it's good. It's kind of, you know, you're hey, a military guy, Look. it's the fog of war. All right. I don't know if you want to sip around. Come here more often. You know, let's see. Like, don't let the kids see. All right. Salud. Salud. That's what you say on time. All right. Keep it low in case mm. cops They'd be tripping at the end of the month, bro. You know what I'm saying? Quotas? I'm here to keep enough time. Uh, uh, we out here. You know what I'm saying? Thank me with this. You know what it is. Bodega Boys, me and Pete in the building. I'm about to go get more hookah. But he was he was a good sport about everything. And what was kind of funny, we got a little blowback online because people said we were pandering. He was pandering to the black vote by drinking 40s in the park. Mm-hmm. And I was like, first of all, that's so racist, that comment that you said, <laughs> yeah. because we weren't drinking 40s. And also the idea that black people are monolithic and we're going to vote for mm-hmm. someone just, oh, shit, oh, he drank a 40 in the park. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Mayor Pete, Mayor Pete, Mayor Pete. Hey, we started hey, like hey, doing this uh, swag surfing, swag surfing yeah. and shit. Like, Mayor Pete's invited to the cookout. It's like, yeah, no, that's not no, how no. black people that's not, yeah. vote. But yeah. he was a good sport about that. And that's the other thing. Candidates know if they if they come on the show, they can't dictate if it has to be an interview. Because we, mm. you might be like, I want my candidate on the show. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna climb to the mount, uh, the top of Mount Everest with your candidate. Are they game for that? <laughs> we're gonna go see Green Boots. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think whether if he was trying to pander, I don't think it worked because he still has about zero percent of the exactly. uh, black vote in a lot of these exactly. And then that's the polls, other, people so were just like see. he's pandering. And then the next day he had like the discussion mm. about after the cop shooting mm-hmm. and stuff. And I'm just like, all what happened to all the pandering? Like yeah. you guys were worried about pandering, which mm-hmm. need be like fifty percent of the black vote now. Yeah. So that's a lot of a lot of Twitter is an echo chamber, and you just have to like throw away all that because mm-hmm. it's not it's not really reflective of. The actual political climate, because on Twitter, everyone's like, yo, Joe Biden is a monster. We got to get Joe Biden out the paint. You do a poll off of Twitter. People are like, yo, Joe's my guy. Joe will probably be the Democratic uh, front runner. Mm-hmm. And Twitter's just like, yo, he's canceled. I'm like, uh, ask your aunt. You she she yeah. voted for him. Yeah. Are you worried about him getting canceled and then becoming the nominee? I don't think he could be canceled. Yeah. I think Joe's Joe staying power is too strong. Also, he has the Obama card. Yeah, he has, yeah that, I was yeah. going to say the proximity to Obama. He's like, as yeah. my friend Barack <laughs> used to told me. It's like, oh, I shit. learned so many things from my friend Barack Obama. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 You think that'll work? Uh, oh, it's working. As a strategy? It's working. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's working. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because there's also, he's going to get a lot of the black vote just from older black people remembering him being next to Obama for mm-hmm. no other reason. Mm-hmm. So he's going to cruise on that.
Speaking of being canceled, has that have you guys had to deal with anything like that where people have kind of come after you for something you said, or or uh, is that kind of yeah, not something you've had to deal with? We had a we had a little run in with Taylor Swift's groupies, oh, the Swifties, Taylor, yeah, oh, the Swifties. Oh. But we have shout out to our group, the Bodega Hive, that went to war for us. And also mm-hmm. the thing about it's there's certain levels of getting canceled. This is getting canceled for actually being canceled, and also the whole idea of getting, who actually has been canceled. The only person that's ever really been canceled is who Michael Jackson. Why? Right. He got canceled by life. Yeah. God canceled. Yeah. Fentanyl canceled. And even him. he might not be canceled. Though, right. Then, people was, still listen to music. He still listen to music. So uh, everyone else, everyone's like, I don't want to get canceled. Every, a lot of people got canceled and just laid low for a couple months and just came back. Mm-hmm. And so even with the Taylor Swift thing, we were on Jimmy Fallon. We made a quick joke because we, we always he always refers to Taylor Swift having a long back. We're playing a match game. <laughs> The, cl- the clue is Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. So I say long back. We immediately get it. Jimmy Fallon's like, yo, what happened? It's hilarious clip. <laughs> Uh, she has a very long back. Uh, Taylor Swift. <laughs> All of her like 15-year-old fans are like, you're body shaming Taylor Swift. So their, die. so their answer to us body shaming Taylor Swift is death threats and calling us racial slurs. Yeah. Oh my God. But because we know it's the internet, and though we're dealing with 15-year-olds, I know it's three days. It's mm. going to take three. They have the attention span for three yeah. days. You weren't gonna, that worried. It doesn't worry at no. all. No. And then also, if you start replying to them, they freak out. Because <laughs> I had people and they were like, they're like, I'm going to kill you. You better get more security at Showtime. And I was like, I will beat you up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm just, I, you just, like, you don't understand, like, Taylor Swift, like, she came on Jimmy Fallon's show when his mother died. And, like, how could he, like, let you guys do that? Just please apologize to her, man. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh you're 13. Off. I was like, you're, I was like, oh, these aren't real threats. Like, yeah. you, you guys are a kid. I had you the guys FBI are kids. calling my house. The FBI called my house. Really? Yeah, and we're like, well, actually, they called my local precinct because somebody had said, uh, sent me a message saying, like, I know you have four kids. I don't know where they go to school. Oh, shit. And I screen grabbed it, and I was like, I wish you would, motherfucker. Come to my house. I got yeah. a rusty machete <laughs> in the garage waiting for you. They put a bounty on our head on A Instagram. pop socket. A pop socket. I didn't even know what a pop socket was. It's the little thing on the back of the phone. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's $8. I will buy all of you pop sockets. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of bounty is that? <laughs> put some respect the, on my name. The bounty was a they pop socket. They didn't even socket. go hard. Yeah. And it was like, yo, the, leave the, whoever leaves a meanest comment gets a pop, free pop socket. And they were like, <laughs> you're a stinky butthead. Yeah, someone was like, I hope you lick a toilet and die. And then they screenshot it and put it on the pop socket thing. It was like, Do I, did I win it? And I was like, for that week? That's very weak. Come on. <laughs> lick a toilet and die. Harder. Yeah, but that, then that's, that's also, you're like, oh, you know what? If I was in junior high school, these would be harsh. Yeah. These would, it was I like, would probably believe. They're the kind of insults that someone like delivers and goes like this. Like, <laughs> right. Take that. Yeah. Megan, you're canceled. Uh-huh. They won't let us sit at we're like our, our lunch tray at the table and they won't let us sit down. <laughs> so wait, what happened with the FBI? So they it was a it was a laughing stock actually, because mm-hmm. I actually called the agent and he literally laughed. He chuckled. He was like, Yeah, we got a bunch of this stuff. I got a bunch of this shit coming across my desk every day. Mm-hmm. He's like, I just bumped it down to local PD because it's not an imminent threat. Yeah. It's not a real threat. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. Do you have a home security system? Yeah. I was like, Yeah, you you're fine. You got nothing to worry about. It was now. funny. They they were lighting up our social media, but they were also lighting up Jimmy Fallon's social media. Mm. And uh, last time I spoke to him, I was like, "Yeah, that Taylor Swift stuff was wild." He was like, "What? What is that?" <laughs> I was like, know. "What?" He was like, "What?" He was like, "I don't check that. I don't give a shit about that." Like, <laughs> he probably gets all kinds of stuff. He gets all he types of weird shit. He just ignores it all. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's, this is the kind of stuff though that comes with you guys. You know, your profile keeps rising. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you how do you feel about that? The the fame aspect of it. It's cool, but it you know cool. what the thing is? Because we, I think the fact that 
if it has come to us in our early 20s, we wouldn't know how to handle it. One of mm-hmm. us probably be dead from a cocaine um, <laughs> overdose already. But because we've lived li- real lives, we've mm-hmm. had real jobs, we've had real struggle, it's just like this is such a dream position mm-hmm. that even the worst part of it is still better than the best parts of our old lives. Yeah. So you just take it in stride. And it's just like, wow, I got Taylor Swift's fans trying to kill me. I'm like, I have Taylor Swift's fans trying to kill me. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Who cares? I had Julio trying to kill me in 2004 for real. Yeah. And he wasn't kidding. Yeah. And yeah. he had a lot more than pop, that pop socket riding on it. Yeah. And you feel like you can also appreciate the, the good parts of it more oh, yeah. than, the than good, you would have. The yeah. good parts are amazing. The good parts, like, you'll have moments where, you, like, yesterday we were at dinner with Jay Ellis, Andra, Anna Kendrick, like, all our art. And these aren't just random people. These are our friends, mm-hmm. like people we can text message. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting around, and like we're at the table, and every other table is just like looking at us, and like, <laughs> and I'm like, this is this is kind of cool. Yeah, like yeah. I'm not I'm not mad at this. Yeah, I wonder if there's a, a level of it that would be that would get to be too much. Or uh... I think anytime you reach the point where you can't go out in public yeah. anymore, that's when it's scary. Mm-hmm. But I, New York is so forgiving that yeah. like New Yorkers generally leave people alone. What about in the Bronx? What can you? What happens when you walk around? Oh, I forget it. In the Bronx, people are just like, yo, yo, thank you for repping the Bronx. Like, like old people come up and they're shaking. They're like, "I've lived in the Bronx since the 1950s. I've never seen like they get they tear mm-hmm. up because they're like, no one has been pr- as proud to be from the Bronx as you and Meryl. Every every time you open your mouth, you mention you're from the Bronx. Everywhere you go, you represent the Bronx, and you have such civic pride in the Bronx that no one has had in quite some time. Yeah. And it's just like that's the best feeling in the world. Or people just like like I walk past the PJs and they're like, "Yo, keep doing your thing. I'm so proud of you." And it's just like like people you don't know and they they come. They're like, "Yo, you and Meryl like the sons we never had," and like they. <laughs> tear up they're like yo i so you guys came from nothing and i know i can make it too because you guys made it and you're just like yo we're just making a show and it's resonating with people on such a higher level that you didn't even realize it's like the best feeling in the world yeah mm. i got kids that i that i taught in like t- f- 10 years ago that are adults now and come back and are like yo i saw you on tv i was like yo man you like I'm I'm doing this now. I'm doing that now, and it'll be a kid that I I was just like, man, this kid is not going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, he's like, yo, you helped me do this and that, and and you showed me that like, you know, I can still be, I can be me and mm-hmm. do and do well, pursue yeah. like what whatever creative endeavor I want. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I, my my message to them was always like, you know, always with that that uh, first generation mentality of like, always have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Pursue your dreams, but always have a backup plan. And that was like always, I would always tell them that. And, I, and kids would come back and be like, you know, I'm like a community organizer now. And I do this and I do that. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm married and I have two kids mm-hmm. and we're doing great. And I'm like, man, I remember when you were in the seventh grade, like you were fucking up. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like bad. Yeah. The backup plan thing is funny because I've heard people tell it both ways. One is like have a backup plan. The other one is don't have a backup plan because you'll fall back on yeah. it. Yeah. No backup really, plans wanna, over here. I've had yeah. I've literally had like at least 52 different jobs in my life mm-hmm. cuz I've never been hesitant to just like walk the fuck off a job. Mm-hmm. Cuz my whole life I've always been like, "Ah, I'm better than this." And not on a conceited kind of like I'm too good to do this work, mm-hmm. but I always like I'm too smart and I have too much talent and this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So that's always like that's the one thing about this podcast and this whole thing is just like I when I left my office job, I was like, "Yo, even if it doesn't work out, at least I know I tried. Because mm-hmm. nothing's worse than not trying and just always having that lingering in your back of your mind, like, what could have been? What if I had done that? And my life, I'm just like, yo, just if the opportunity is there, take it. Mm-hmm. And so I've never had a plan. This, this is, There's no plan B. Mm-hmm. There's no like I actually there's a joke about that I always say to my boys because in New York, you're always like, yo, what's up, B? What's up, B? And I'm like, yo, no plan, B. <laughs> so looking forward, I mean, you guys have been doing this show on Showtime for like six months. You're going to come back in September. 
Um, what do you do? You, what do you want to achieve with the show next? What do you what what new things do you want to do? What what's what's exciting you about this next phase of the show? Just keep getting the the reps in and mm-hmm. getting to that place where we're like we are one thousand percent happy with the show because like I'm a perfectionist. Like I go home and I watch the show. Like not. I like I laugh, but I watch it as like a like game film. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I did this and I I kind of mumbled that line, or I could have I could have said this instead of that, or you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's it's just a product of being an off the cuff type of person. You know what I mean? You go back and you're like, oh, well, next time I'll do this. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. just uh, like I, I enjoy it, <laughs> but you know it's. You know, I want what I want for the show is like I know we bring something very unique to late night, mm-hmm. and I just want to keep doing it and make people realize what exactly we're bringing to late night. Because that's the thing, the show. I'm very happy with the show. I'm very proud of the show. If the show ends tomorrow, I can stand by what we've put out, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, yo, that was that's some of the best television ever made because it's so unique and it was so daring and bold and it broke so many rules. And I was like, I just want the show to reach a level where it's as critically acclaimed as it should be. Like every now and then I'll see an article and they're like, here's the late night takes on this topic. Mm-hmm. And they do all the other shows and they don't do us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the hell, we are on a, we're a real late night show. We're on a real network. Mm-hmm. So it's just pe- making people recognize that we're out there. And it's not a matter of we're getting snubbed. It's just like, yes, due to marketing, like people know about the show, but I, a lot of people don't know about the show. And I want those people to find out about it because nothing's better than people who are just like, yo, I just found your show, bro. I've been mm-hmm. missing out. Or people just like, yo, I just found you last week. Yo, you have the best show ever. And like that joy people get, I just want to keep pushing that and just putting it out there for people. Because we're doing a service. People love watching the show late at night. And they love our humor and our comedy. I just want to keep doing that and just keep pe- making people laugh for as many seasons as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I want to do before we end is a, a little bit of a, a speed round, speed kind of round. looking back at Ooh. this uh, at this first six months of the show. Okay. Um, so you can each kind of answer the, the questions. Um, so I guess first is uh, what's been the just the best part about making the show so far? Being having creative control, mm-hmm. having like the autonomy to say like, no, we don't want that guest or no we don't want to do that piece or you know yeah we want to do this but we want to do it this way you know what i'm saying and that having that like control over the process where if we're not satisfied with what's coming out or what we're about to put out we can scrap it and go right back to the drawing board Mm. whereas like you know previously we didn't have that like level of control Mm -hmm. where it was like this is what exactly what we want to put out and this is how we want to put it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and that's as an art, as as a creative, that's like the the most freeing, greatest thing that you can have. Uh, what's the what's the hardest part about making the show so far? I think the hardest part about making the show is like uh, sometimes every now because the show is Monday and Thursday, but every now and then like a story will fall weirdly in between mm-hmm. and you can't discuss it. So that's like the hard, like every like the stories you want to touch on yeah. and you can't and that's like not really a bad thing because we have, we'll always have enough stories mm-hmm. but in my mind I would love to like do the show for like four hours and just talk on everything mm-hmm. that happens on the mm-hmm. internet that's not possible but you know like every now and then you'll miss a story you're like oh we could have done that but other than that the show's a breeze to make yeah do you feel like there's a chance it could go to four nights a week five nights a week or? I mean if the, you know Showtime wants to drive an armored truck up to our house <laughs> <laughs> actually I don't it's a like, lot of work it's a lot of work but yeah no it is and that's the thing like people. It, 
it's funny because people are like, well, you guys have so much has you have so much free time on your hands now that you're only twice a week before you were four times. I was like, you, guys, you have no idea the level mm. of production that goes into this show. Mm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, ev- like literally everything. Like you said, like it's a union show, so yeah, everything like, from the set. We just shot a sketch uh, on like the Wednesday before we left, and mm. we were there on we were on set from eight to eight. Wow. Yeah. And it's just and then it's like you do that, and then the sketch might be like three to four minutes long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but people don't realize that. So they see they're like, oh, it took you four minutes to film that sketch. <laughs> yeah. It's like no, no it didn't. Buddy. It yeah. took us four minutes to get out of the trailer to set up a shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then it, the, there's so much minutia that goes on behind the scenes that people don't realize. So they're like, we want you on six, seven days a week, and I'd mm-hmm. be like, okay, cool. I'll just disavow my family. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll just like stay in the studio twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so for each of you, who's been the most fun guest that you've had on so far? Most fun guest we've had? Uh, probably Andy and Andy. Yeah. They, they, that was just so much fun. Yeah, that was fun. That was, that was fun. And then, it was, it was and it fun, was fun like, and messy. Yeah. yeah. And it was fun to see Anderson Cooper in a different light. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he's always very serious, like Anchorman. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like this dude has been in fucking war zones you know what i mean like yeah. reporting yeah. live and like now he's sitting at a table with those crap that's jokes. also always funny about the guests like getting them out of their element and showing mm-hmm. like having bill Hader like just like cursing or mm-hmm. willy nilly or don Cheadle yeah just cursing and like that people love to see that because anna kendrick, you, anna kendrick, kendrick was great. she's the homie and just driving her around the bronx and like her timing is so great mm-hmm. that's like everyone on the show is like it's not like their PR person was like, can this person be on the show? It's like, yo, we meet them. It's like, yo, you got a good energy. We got a good, like, come on the show. Mm-hmm. There's no one on the show because we're being forced to have them yeah. on the show. Yeah. And that's what, like, every interview has, like, a special part of it. But that's the best part, just hanging with the people. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it doesn't feel like an interview. And, like, the people are mm-hmm. really just hanging out with us. What was the most uh, challenging uh, interview guest that you, that you had on? Dasha Polanco. Yeah, because apparently, like, there's no subtitles, and no one wants to tell me what the hell these two is yapping about. They had a whole separate sideshow in Spanish over yeah, here. Yeah. I'm just sitting That's there, not like, fair. That's not fair. I have my phone out under the table, downloading <laughs> Duolingo. I was like, all right, slow down, yeah. slow down. Like, no, but I'm like, I've known her for a long time, like, her and my wife are friends, like, mm-hmm. you know, and she's just like. You know, we relate on like that. Like she's like my cousin. You know mm. what I mean? Like we mm. relate so on that level that it's just like it was so natural. You know what I mean? And like it, it's funny. It's right because it's like it ended up being like we're like oh, yeah. I think about very like spe- very specific like Dominican things. Like you know what I mean? Like spaghetti on the beach and all that type yeah. of stuff. And um, but you know, I was just like the. It, when you have a personal relationship with somebody, mm-hmm. like you can tell, like it comes out in the interview. You know what I mean? So yeah. So did you have a guest that was difficult uh, for you for the opposite reason? Or um, <laughs> um, I don't. Well, not difficult. Um, it's just like sometimes you want to get more out of a person, you don't, mm-hmm. and you don't get exactly what you wanted out of them. Mm-hmm. But I can't say that I've yeah encountered anybody difficult. Mm-hmm. Like oh, like oh, I, I, this is so terrible. I can't. But hurry up and get this over with. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Who's the number one uh, dream guest uh, for each of you for the future of the show? Probably Barack Obama would be great, or Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don, you know Donald Trump will say some wild shit. Yeah, he'll say something so wild. <laughs> he say I, some I mean, wild like shit. at this point, it's funny because it's like no matter what he says, he's 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 fine. Mm-hmm. He's like Teflon. Yeah. But like, just to see him, like his his self awareness is zero. Mm-hmm. So just to see him. 
like us, like, you know, like the hyenas in the Lion King, like, <laughs> it's like waiting for him to like say something astronomically dumb would be hilarious. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of uh, there's I've asked a, a few different late night hosts, like whether they would have him on what, or if, when they did have him on, do they regret it? That kind of thing. And I think there's a, there's a wide variety. Some people are like, oh, yeah, of course, if he would come on my show, I would have him on in a second. And some people are like, I don't know if I would have him. Um, and obviously, Jimmy Fallon had uh, some some controversy over, over yeah. having him on. It depends how you do it, because it's like, are you are you having? Having him on to normalize him, or are mm-hmm. you on him? Are you going to be critical of him? Because mm-hmm. I think the problem was people had him on in like a cuddly, like, yeah. you know, kind of like just like a, just like oh, he's like a harmless yeah. uncle. Remember, he was on like a SNL. He hosted SNL. Yeah, yeah. He was dancing the Hotline Bling, and yeah. it was like oh. <laughs> Yeah, like fast making forward. it into a joke. Yeah, and, uh, and it wasn't a joke. Uh, so the the way we end every episode is I ask guests, what's the last thing that made you laugh really hard? The last thing that made me laugh really hard. Uh, oh, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Um, there was this random tweet, and it was just like, you know when p- people on Twitter take things out of context, like two or three word phrases out of context and apply it to like a reaction? <laughs> there was like a reaction to uh you know logic has that like very serious song about like suicide mm-hmm, and like mental mm-hmm. health issues or whatever and the giants drafted daniel jones at quarterback mm-hmm. and some dude just posted that like the da- the giants drafted daniel jones at quarterback and it was just the clip of of logic being like i don't want to be alive and i was just like oh, i don't gosh. know why that should have me in tears for like <laughs> uh, two hours <laughs> what about you the, like I cracked up about. Um, yo, shout out to my. I have a ten-month-old Boston Terrier puppy named Mac, and he's at home. You know, shout out to him with the dog sitter. He doesn't know how to jump on the bed properly because he's like he's still a baby. Mm-hmm. So I was playing fetch with him, and I threw the wubba, this toy you throw around, and he tried to come at it like an angle, and mm-hmm. he hit the side of the bed and just like completely lost his shit and wiped out on the floor. And it was like it's cute because he's a puppy, and he like looked around to see if like, he was like stunned. He didn't know what was going on. But I was like, "Wow, you dumb as shit, boy!" <laughs> you didn't get it on video. I did get it on video. I was reaching for the phone, but yeah. I was like, "I was like, wow!" And then I threw it, and he did it again. And I was like, "This is pretty hilarious. This is, is cute and adorable." So shout out to shout out to Mac. I miss you, buddy. All right, thank you guys so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you go. That was my conversation with Jesus and Mero from about three years ago. I wish only the best for both of them in the future and look forward to seeing what they each do next. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at LastLaughPod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Next week.